today on CityCast Madison. Few things are cuter than a baby goat, but you know what is cuter? Baby goats who are also local heroes. The Madison Parks Department is now employing a herd of goats in several parks. The goats are let out to graze and help clear out unwanted brush and invasive species. They can get to hard to access spots like those on an incline, and bonus, they help curb the use of toxic chemicals and heavy equipment. Producer Molly Stentz tracked down the goat's owners to learn how it's working. Greg Hack and Brooke Hushagen are two friends who run Hackhagen Goat Grazing. It's Monday, July 17th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Brooke and Greg, hello, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. So we wanted to talk to you about goats because you bring goat herds to the Madison Parks, as I understand. Why do you do this? Uh, the main purpose of goat grazing uh, in the city city parks is to help with uh, diminishing and helping move towards eradication of invasive species that are growing in all of, all of the parks that we graze down there. Um, kind of the heavy hitter species that we're working working on getting rid of are buckthorn and honeysuckle. Those are kind of the two big ones that we were working towards. And how many goats do you bring to a park at a time? Um, so we have two herds. One is out right now in Turtle Park, and there's 58 in that group. And then we'll have another group of uh, 52. So we'll have two herds of over 50 out and that'll be most of our goats so there's 50 goats in Ov- in olin turville park right now correct and so you're here talking to me and the goats are there do you ever worry about them are they on their are they on their own i mean there's still days that if there's a storm or something you're pretty nervous but we have a good relationship with the park staff so there's a lot more confidence with the goats being out because they, once they go there, they're there until they're done with the job. So we don't go and get them at night. Yeah. So they're trained to stay within the electrified netting of the the paddock that we set up, the temporary paddocks. And um, the agreement we have with City city of Madison Parks are that their park staff will check the fencing, you know, twice daily, make sure the goats are upon first glance doing well, let us know of any health issues or if the goats are acting strange in any way, uh, we're in communication with them almost on a daily basis of how things are going. And they also alert us uh, when the goats are running out of stuff to eat so that we know to make a new paddock. So yeah, we're not on site with the goats 24-7, but uh, others are watching when we're not able to be there. And I know they have some volunteer groups for each part that We'll come and check on the goats too. And I think this is our fourth year with Madison Parks now. So there's definitely, you know, everyone's on the same page with everything. So, so you've worked, you've got a system going. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the goats, the reason why they're so useful is that they're, they're essentially replacing herbicides, right? And, and to control these species in the park that are just, so hard to remove yeah a lot of times um you know the goats are going through the first time and kind of clearing it out making it more accessible for 
the human workers to come in with their tools, their chainsaws and brush saws. And yeah, it really does reduce uh, a lot of the need for herbicides. Um, herbicides can be used to part of the tool, part of the whole process too. But yeah, it really cuts back on the amount that needs to be applied to the landscape, which is a great thing. When I imagine they work pretty cheap, the goats. <laughs> Yeah, they don't ask for much. They just ask to have full bellies. And uh, yeah, they're just, you know, dynamic creatures and, and really lovable. So every, everybody seems to like seeing them. So do, do they have names? Every every single gold that we have has a name. And you can tell them all apart. I would say all the adults and yearlings for sure. The little kids are a little harder. Yeah. They each have an ear tag with a number. So we get a number that we can kind of cross-reference but yeah yeah we definitely know our mama goats and the year old goats by name yeah but that ear tag they have is the scrapies re- federal requirement so any animal that leaves the farm has to have an identification tag gotcha and what kind of goats are they uh they're a meat breed so we have i would say the majority is kikos um we also have some spanish some savannah and a couple boars but most of our, they're all meat breeds. And a couple pygmies lingering in there too. So pygmy genetics. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so you, so you have this deal with the park district where you, you imagine are driving a big trailer of goats and then you set up this um, like fenced in area with this electric net and then you just, you just turn them loose and they, they, they know what to do. They know which uh, species to eat or do they just eat everything? They sort of eat everything. They have their favorite food groups like we do. You know, they're going <laughs> to eat their favorite things first and then get to the, the stuff they don't like last. But uh, yeah, they immediately start eating right off the trailer. People are often amused by that. Once they hop off the trailer, they're just <laughs> instantly eating. So yeah, they know what to do. What's their favorite thing? What What is their favorite? It's probably not chocolate. They, they, they prefer leaves over grass, I guess, as a general rule. Um, Fruit trees are sort of their favorite. They like mulberry or black cherry. They'll they'll eat probably eat those first. Um, but yeah, anything leafy and green, they're they're mostly into it. And did you ever have to worry about them eating things that they shouldn't? I mean that that things the park has planted that they want to keep or trees or shrubs. So if there's something that the park wants to keep, usually they'll fence it off, put up some sort of barrier that the goats can't get to it. And usually the pens are only, the goats are only in there for a week, maybe two weeks tops. So you don't have to fence it for long. And a lot of the areas that we're grazing in are so heavily infested that they're kind of just doing a restart on those areas anyway. So they don't mind if there's some collateral damage on on some of the native plants. And honestly, the native plants um, recover better from grazing anyway. They're just kind of tuned to that. So used to it out in the wild being eaten. Yeah. Do you ever have problems? I mean, they, so the goats are out there doing their thing, eating the the invasive species. Um, you hope they're fine. I mean, but does it, they're right there, right? People can come right up to them. I mean, has anyone ever tried to, I don't know, kids or something like mess with them? I mean, there's definitely issues that we've come across in the seven years of doing it. But the fence is electrified, so people usually don't mess with it because if they touch it, they'll get a little shock. I mean, it's nothing like Jurassic Park where the kid's <laughs> on the fence. You know, it's just a little tickle. So just enough to keep the goats in and people out or whatever wants to get in. I mean, we've had goats get out. 
before the tree falls down on the fence or something happens, you know, and then you get a call at nine o'clock at night and you got to go around the mop. But how do you do that? I feel like I that's what I have heard about goats is that they're wily and they they have big personalities and they're escape artists. Is this true? We have an escape artist. Usually they we don't keep them with the groups that are in the parks because we don't want to have continued problems because usually they'll pass that problem on to another goat that's paying attention. So if there's an issue, goat will remove that from the herd that is out grazing. Generally herd bound. So if they do get out, they just stick with their herd just on the wrong side of the fence and they, they want to get back in with them if they do get out. So they usually don't roam too far from where they get out. So if you, you have a ringleader, you kind of nip it in the bud before they start a goat insurrection or something. Right. Absolutely. Troublemakers don't stay with the herd very long. They get uh, exiled from the island. Yeah. I'm just, I'm imagining like goats on the bike path, goats swimming in the lake. <laughs> that doesn't happen. They definitely don't like water, so they won't be in the lake. <laughs> lake per se. I mean, this seems like a pretty great business. I mean, the the goats are doing the work, but I imagine there's work on your end, right? It's it's not just people might think, ah, hey, the goats the goats do all the work, but it sounds like there's a fair amount of prep and organization and kind of checking on them. For sure. I mean, setting up the pounds usually takes a while, and then it's not like they're on, like you know, that Tuesday we're going to be moving them. It could be. You find out Monday night that Tuesday you're moving them or, you know, you only get about a day notice when you got to move them. And then basically once the goats are on jobs, we're on call 24-7 until they're back to the farm in the fall. So so you always kind of are thinking in the back of your mind, any moment I could get a call. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And usually right when you're like, oh, let's make a plan, you'll get a call. <laughs> There's lots of logistics involved, you know, planning which park is next, which area is ready how long it's going to be at each park to try and plan ahead and, and have some sort of schedule, you know, base framework schedule. But the goats, the goats make the rules when they're done, they're done. Right. So we have to be responsive to what, what they're doing. And I mean, we have a pretty decent idea once we put them in the pen, we're like, oh, they'll probably be there about a week. So you kind of put it in the calendar, you know, in about a week, we're going to be moving them. Okay. So right now they're in Olin and how long will they be there? Uh, they'll be there quite a while because that's a pretty big area that they're tackling. So it's probably four or five moves in the park that we have to do it. So probably all a month they'll be there. And then where, so are, will they be in different parks all summer long? Yeah, they go to, I think, eight parks we are doing this year. So we have, we communicate with Paul um, and then... We just ask him what parts he wants to do after, you know, we get to out one and he sends us a, basically a schedule for what parts he wants to hit in which order. And then we go through them one time and once we're done with the first race, we go back and start from the beginning again. So they'll get greatest twice in a growing season. So if there's a storm or like these really hot days that we've been having, they're fine? Yeah, they'll find a spot in the shade and um, kind of like a turkey, kind of make a little dust bowl and... <laughs> Lay it. Yeah, and storms, they'll just kind of hunker under a big tree under the canopy and kind of huddle together, but 
They're usually good. They're acclimated to being outside and they're acclimated to this type of diet. You know, we didn't take goats that, you know, we didn't take grain fed goats and put them out on pasture just eating leaves. That would be bad. So these goats have all grown up eating brush, you know, for years, their mothers and fathers. And, you know, we're down to, I don't know how many generations now are we down to, you know, four or five generations of goats all being raised on brush. So mm-hmm. they're, they're accustomed to this type of living and, that's kind of what you do to build your herd up. So they're hardy. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things about these um, the breeds we select too are are hardy for brush eating goats. Kikos are well known for that being very hardy. Do they ever become meat goats at the end of their lives? Yeah, that's sort of the secondary part of our business. In the uh, late fall, we we call the herd basically in what a third third. So I go down about forty goats. I have about 30 does that will have kids in the spring, keep about 10 year length, and the rest will go on to their next adventure. Do you do you ever worry, I mean, about coyotes? I mean, there are some in the city. There are. Um, I mean, we've had them um, out in the middle of nowhere before, and there's coyotes around, but as long as the fence is electrified, they usually don't mess with it, because we've set up for... Um, people who have dogs, and do we let them know that, hey, the fence is electric, but the dog will still test it. So, males they only touch it once. Yeah. And again, with the mentality, too, you know, a, a couple coyotes probably isn't going to take on a herd of 50 goats. You know, they'll protect each other and 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 be strong together as a force. <laughs> we definitely have a few does that are, if they see, like, one of our dogs, they'll come up to the fence and stare at it. So... Some of them aren't scared of them. So what do you think, what would you say is the trickiest part about running a goat operation? Having two full-time jobs. Yeah, this is our side gig. Oh! So we both, we both work full-time and then do the goats on our, our free time, you know, either before or after work or weekends and whatnot. So, yeah, that's the challenge, finding enough time to fit it all in. Goat gig work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our families definitely help. We we both have children that have been helping out the last few years, which is a, a godsend to us. Yeah. Saving so much time, bringing us rolls of fencing when we're out setting it up. So yeah, it's definitely a family affair too. We get everybody involved and it's a team effort. Well, I can't wait to meet them. I want to go. I want to go over there and see them right now. Can you tell me some of their names? Uh, and that herd... Janelle is in there. She's one of the ones that we bought the first year. Um, Midnight is in there. We also have Nancy. Uh, Donna. Donna's in there. Donna's a blue goat, the only blue one we have. Wow. Midnight, you never guess. She's a black-colored goat. <laughs> Classic. We have a lot of white ones because the Kiko breed, that's kind of the dominant color. So there's a lot of white or variations of white in our herd. Uh, Dorito is at Olin Park. So the only one with yellow tag, I believe. Not Europe. Got a yellow tag. Oh, who else? Emma, Elise. You know, there's all these. Yeah. These names. Sometimes we try to keep a. Uh, if the mother's name starts with an E, we'll name her babies with an E to try to keep the family group straight. But it's a lot easier to remember the seventy babies' names than you can look at the mom and know the first letter at least. Yes. So will they, if I go there and call them, will they know their names? Will they come over? Oh, no, shit. probably not. 
Some are more friendly than others. Yeah, Janelle is probably the most friendly. Okay. I'm... She's a white girl with a white tag. I might try. Blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love this. I love learning about goats in the parks. And they will be at different parks uh, all summer long here in Madison. So after Olin and Acewood, where do they head next? Uh, we have Olin for uh, Door, uh, Cherokee, Prairie Ridge. Edna Taylor and Noel Wood. Wow, they're making the rounds. Yeah, well, very cool. Thank you, Greg and Brooke, for joining me today. Thank, Thank you so you. much for the opportunity to share. That was Greg Hack and Brooke Hushagen, owners of Hack Hagen Goat Grazing. The city of Madison is also looking for some help watching these fair goats. While goats were born to graze, baby, they were also born to run. <laughs> and for that reason, they need volunteers to be goat checkers this summer. Your mission? Help ensure the goats don't get loose and report if any get injured. Sound interesting to you? You can sign up online. We'll toss a link in our show notes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. The police. Madison Police Chief Sean Barnes is now a finalist for another job, the Chicago Police Superintendent. He is one of the top three picks for the job, alongside two Chicago police chiefs. Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson says he'll make a decision in the next 30 days. In other news, the Dane County Humane Society's Wildlife Center has saved a new furry friend, their first ever bobcat kitten. She's estimated to be about 9 to 10 weeks old and was found dehydrated and separated from her family near Mazomani. The Wildlife Center is rehabilitating the kitten and will likely transfer to be with other bobcat kittens once stabilized. And if you want more animals in your life, the Dane County Fair opens on Thursday. Of course, there will be carnival festivities, concerts and stunt shows, and animals to admire. We'll toss a link in our show notes if you'd like to learn more about what's at the fair. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with someone who read you Billy Goat Gruff as a kid? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then. I think it's really fun. It's cute.